I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Hey, horror fans. Welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. We are finally up to it. We marched through five Scream movies, and we just hit Scream 6 this week. Um, Scream 6 was, uh, it's uh, the plot of this movie. It's four survivors of the Ghostface murders leave Woodsboro behind for a fresh start in New York City. However, they soon find themselves in a fight for their lives when a new killer embarks on a bloody rampage. This movie is directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette. Um, again, this is the second movie that they directed for, from the Scream franchise and the Scream 5 as well. Um, so pretty much they, they directed every movie after Craven had left. And uh, the movie stars Jenna Ortega, who is now big because of her old well, Scream and also because of the shows. I've never seen you. Have you seen you, the show? Uh, like one episode. Yeah, is, I, I guess she was on that episode. I guess she's pretty big on that show. I don't know. I've never I seen no idea, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not quite sure what the show's about. I know it's a hit. Yeah, but you know what else is a hit? Her new show, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday. And I saw a movie with her the other day. Because now Jenna Ortega is one of those actors that where it's like, I want to watch her now. She, she's very similar to... Um, very similar personality. I think they did a joke on it at an award show to Aubrey Plaza. And she did uh, the babysitter's... The Babysitter sequel, The Babysitter Killer Queen, and I thought that movie was good. I checked that out. Movie also stars uh, Scream. Also stars Melissa Barrera as her as uh, her older sister Sam. So Jenna plays Tara. Melissa's the older sister Sam. Uh, they're both back from the last movie, Scream Five, that they was their first Scream movie. Um, Courtney Cox is back. Hayden Panteri is back, and introducing uh, into the franchise Dermot. Moroni, who's uh, again known for, again back in the, I was trying to think because he's one of those faces that you know, but you don't always, you can't. It takes you a second to remember what he's in. I know he's in Young Guns, and he's also in uh, Disney's Angels in the Outfield, which is an awesome movie. Um, just want to make it clear, there's a specific reason why I put, um, there's a specific reason why I mentioned Courtney Cox's name third when I was saying starring. Courtney Cox is no longer the main character in these movies. Like her, her Neve Campbell did, um, we'll go into her in a little bit, but Neve Campbell is not back. Um, also, David Arquette is obviously dead from the, sec from the fifth one. So Courtney Cox is back, but she's no longer a lead character. She's, um, again, she's a supporting character. Steve, I think we could agree that the two lead characters now are Sam and Tara, right? Oh yeah. Okay, and again, like I, I truly believe that this is a, that Scream is heading in the right direction again mm -hmm. since the fifth movie came out. Um, again, I, I just want to say Scream 6 is, I'm going to say it flat, flat from the beginning. Scream 6 is my favorite sequel to Scream. We've been hearing a lot of things about Scream being, uh, Scream 6 being the best Scream. We do not agree with that. Just here's that we do not agree with that. We believe it's the best one since the original. The original, as me and Steve has been saying for the past year on many episodes, is one of our top two horror movies of all time. That and Halloween. Um, Scream's probably my favorite horror movie of all time. But again, but like again, so Scream Six has not surpassed the original, but it does a terrific job. And if I had to rate this movie, probably give it a solid nine out of ten. Because I do have certain problems with it, 
But uh, again, like I said, but it's definitely, to me, better than at least four of the sequels. And, I mean, better than at least three of the sequels. And I kind of, when I first saw it, me and Steve are kind of obsessed with this one already. So we saw it twice already. But when I first saw it, I was like, eh, Scream 2 or Scream 6? But now Scream 6 is definitely uh, above Scream 2 for me. I think I was just... Um, I think I was just trying to decide out which one was better before because I Scream 2 played such a part of my big part of my childhood. Like I remember seeing the poster for Scream 2 come out and seeing it in a magazine and again getting so excited and seeing, oh my god, I had the biggest little boy crush on freaking uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar <laughs> back in the day and seeing that she was in it, my Buffy. And again, that, that was freaking awesome. But um, so... Steve, what would you rate this movie out of 10? And again, I believe you you agree with me that this is the second best Scream, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, out of 10, and another thing I keep hearing a lot of people say is, oh, don't let the hype or the excitement get to you. It's only because you just saw it or because it's brand new. Uh, that's not the case at all. I know I know when I first see a movie how much I like it and where I rank it and you know how much I like it compared to the other ones. Um, so yeah, saying that, um, I gave it a 10 out of 10. And I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm just excited about it, whatever, because it's a new movie. But I don't see anything wrong with this movie. Uh, obviously, it's not as good as um, the first one, like we just said. That's another ridiculous thing people are saying. Great sequel, but um, to remind people, everything that we like about Scream 6 is because it's pretty much um, redoing what the first one did. Um, and, and it could be your opinion if they did it better. But um, when it comes to originality and impact, uh, nothing could beat Scream 1 unless they make a completely different movie. And Scream 6 was just a really good sequel, a really good different version of Scream 1. So, great sequel, um, but don't let the hype fool you. It's not better than the first one. But um, I am in the hype train, though, because like I said, I give it a, a 10 out of 10. I think this movie was absolutely amazing. It blew me away. Um, I mentioned this before the podcast. The second time watching it, and this usually doesn't happen because you know what to expect. You know, you saw it already. But even the second time watching it, I was at the edge of my seat and like I kept getting like like goose flesh and like it's just the movie is just very intense and just does not let you go. Um, we saw this with our friend Allison and even she was saying that she's like, oh my god, this is so intense and it just doesn't stop. And that's a per perfect way to describe it. Like the movie just keeps going and not like in a in a loud and obnoxious way, like you know a movie that's like overproduced and doing too much. It's very well paced. Um, has the emotional moments there and they're done very well this time because I don't like them in Scream Five. I thought they came off a little corny. Uh, Sam and Tara's talks, like sister talks. I think this one, they did a lot better. Um, all my complaints about five were, were addressed in this one, pretty much, because um, I, I complained of the fifth one. I don't like how they talked. Uh, I know Kevin Williams is still not back, but the fifth one just came off very like unnatural. How they talked and like it came off like they were trying too hard, like way too many f bombs. Um, this one, they sound more like how how kids talk or like people that age, whatever. Um, Tara, I mean Sam's like our age. She also improved a lot. She she acted way better. I think in the first one she came off like somebody was like phoning it in and didn't really want to be in there, uh, or it could be that's the performance she shows to to give because she's like a you know a distressed, concerned older sister, or whatever. Uh, that's the daughter of Billy Loomis. But overall, in this one, uh, not just her, everybody I think not only uh, acted better, but they grew on me as characters. Um, not that I didn't like them before, but. I couldn't care less about Chad and Scream 5 that much. I thought he was just whatever. Um, and now Chad is like one of my favorites because of this one. Um, I said Tara, um, what's her name? Jenna Ortega overacted in the fifth one. 
And uh, talking specifically about her opening scene, the rest of the movie, I thought she was fine. But in Scream 6, she acts good throughout the whole time. She's just very, like, more more grounded and, like I said before, more believable, um, more relatable. Just everybody bought their A game. Uh, Mindy, I loved her in Scream 5. And then in this one, she's even better. So Mindy came through and is doing a great job at um, being, you know, the new Randy because that's not an easy, you know, it's not easy shoes to fill. And. I think Mindy's as, as good of a choice as you can get. Um, the new characters, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't that big of a fan. And, and before we go further, um, it says it on the title, so if you clicked on this, you probably already know. But um, there is going to be a lot of spoilers in this, obviously. This is a spoiler uh, talk uh, podcast review. Um, yeah, the the, uh, the added characters, I didn't care too much for them. And I think um, that's one of the problems I had with the movie, even though I still give it a 10 out of 10. Um, it's not a perfect movie. I just give it a 10 out of 10 because how much I enjoyed it. Um, one of the flaws I have is that the new characters, well, there wasn't enough of them. So I feel like the suspect list wasn't that long. So it was kind of easy to narrow down. Like, all right, if everybody's here in this, in this room right now, then the killer must be, you know, so-and-so. Uh, later on, you know, they throw you off a little bit with the reveal that there's more than one killer, which they did in, in the first one also. Uh, don't forget, the first one did everything already. Uh, kind of like that joke that people always say, oh, Simpsons did it already. Every time something um, comes up that's cool, people are like, oh, Simpsons already did it. Yeah, don't forget, Scream 1 already did the more than one killer reveal, and that was the biggest deal ever. Um, but yeah, they did a good job at, at, at explaining why there was a third killer when one of them was already killed. But just in general, I would have liked it if there was more suspects, uh, more red herrings, and maybe more um, of a suggestion that the killer could be somebody from, from the previous movie. But I feel like it was pretty obvious um, that it wasn't. Even though, for like the first 30 minutes, I did think that it might have been Sam Carpenter at the end. They did a good job at kind of like convincing you with all the rumors and all the stuff she's going through and then talking with her, her psychologist about it. And then later on when the psychologist gets killed and then picks up Sam's... And sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm just um, just saying the, the killers w were pretty obvious, but at the same time, it did throw me off a little bit thinking it was Sam Carpenter, uh, especially when she kills the therapist, whatever. Um, so, yeah, the new the new cast wasn't that big of a fan of, the, big of, a fan of them, but... Um, I think they did a, a good enough job because um, the screen movies are so good that it could have one thing not going for it as well as all the other stuff. Like, you know, it's like a, all the formula. Like I said, they all copy the first one. And part of the formula is who the killers are, but it's not what makes or break the screen movies. So one screen movie could have a really good killer, but then the rest of the movie sucks. Or And our, our rankings reflect that perfectly. If you see our rankings on, on our Instagram page, we rank the, the screen movies from uh, worst to best, best to worst. And Scream 3 is last in our list, but in our list of killers, Roman, the killer from Scream 3, he's still pretty high up compared to uh, the other movies that we like more. So that just goes to show you that Scream has a lot going to it, and you know, even though it's nice when everything works perfectly, like in Scream 1, um, it doesn't always necessarily have to be a, a home run in every department. So the fact that I don't like the killers that much in this one does not take any points away from the movie because everything else was done very well. And, and to clear it up, not that I don't like the killers, I just thought it was a little bit of a weaker reveal compared to the other ones. Um, like, I didn't care much for it. But I do like all the parallels to Scream 2, which we could talk about now. And one of them is that the fact that um, the killer in Scream 2 was Billy Loomis's mom, uh, Nancy Loomis, coming back for revenge uh, after they killed Billy in the previous movie. So they kind of followed in those footsteps again, where now uh, the killer of Scream 5, Richie, which was the boyfriend, uh, you know, the new Billy Loomis, now his family, except the whole family, is, is going to avenge him in the next one. So I like like how it's like a love letter to Scream 2, but uh, again, just to remind everybody, it's not that original because it's been done before, but it was just done very, very, very well. So 
I don't blame anybody for saying it's their favorite one. I just uh, I don't agree with it, and but I do agree that this is definitely the best sequel easily. And I had a hard time uh, moving aside Scream 2 also because of the same thing you said. It was the first one I saw, uh, childhood memories and all that, but uh, we got to be real, and this really is the best one. Yeah, like I said, um, first off, um, I uh, was going to say, with Kevin Williamson, like you said, the script's a little bit different um, than the fifth one. The writing, the dialogue, all that. Kevin Williamson actually said, and I, I agree with him. He said that this movie, it doesn't feel like a part six. It feels like you're watching this big, huge, fresh reinvention. Yeah. And he said that he loves it. And he goes, I watched the movie with a big smile on my face. I think it's everything and more. And going to New York was awesome. The movie feels new. It feels fresh. It feels like a new movie. Yes. Um, Again, sure, I think sure. that's one of the biggest compliments that you can give this movie. Um, I think it's, I get, they, they show, they pay homage to, in the beginning of the movie, I'm, I'm going to go into the characters too, that Steve, some things that Steve likes about the movie I wasn't a huge fan of, but we're going to go into that in a second. But, um, yeah, but I did like how this movie, it, it's funny, we were sitting there, like I said, we saw this movie two times. We saw it once with our friend Catherine the first time. And then uh, our friends, uh, Catherine and Alana. And then second time, we saw it with uh, our friend Allison. So when we saw it the first time, they're showing the, um, they're showing Friday the 13th. Well, they show, obviously, they showed it both times. They, they didn't change, even though we're big fans, they didn't specifically change the movie up the second time that we saw it for us. So, um, so the first time we saw it, uh, we're watching it, and I noticed, I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. Uh, the, uh, the, the, one of the guys in the movie is, um, well, I forgot, is it Jason? Um, Jason, he's actually named Jason too. He goes back to his apartment in the beginning and he's sitting down on his chair for a second and he's watching um, on TV Friday 13th Part 8, which we're going to go on the Friday movies this, in a moment too, in a little bit. But he's watching Friday Part 8, which is Jason Takes Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was cool. And then later on, they, the, again, Steve mentioned the professor who uh, made Steve think that, that uh, was it that um, Sam, might Sam be the was, yeah, Sam might be the killer. He's sitting there watching the original um, Invasion of the Body Statures. And I found it funny because we're sitting there with our friend Catherine the first time, and Catherine was confused about something. And it was like something to do with horror. And these kids are sitting behind. It's not kids, they're like in their 20s or maybe 30, and they think they're hot shit with fucking horror knowledge. And whatever, the person next to you might not always know everything that you know. And I remember them like saying something behind Catherine's back, like oh, she doesn't really know this, and like kind of laughed at her. Oh, they laughed because like, she didn't know who Kirby was. Yeah, she didn't know who Kirby was. And I was like, all right, like again, like maybe Catherine should know who Kirby is. I'm not sticking up for her, but like again, people don't know certain things. And then they show body snatchers, and these two fucking assholes behind her going. What movie is he watching? And they freaking didn't know what the hell he was watching. I felt like turn around and say something. Oh, you guys don't know fucking horror. But like, but like, but I kept my mouth shut. But um, again, like I said, I, it, that just annoys me with people. Just again, like the, the people that just freaking knock you and just know everything, but they don't know shit, and they want to make fun of you for not knowing something, you know? Exactly. But yeah, yeah. But um, but going back to what Steve was talking about, first of all, with the characters. Um, there's a reason why I gave this movie a 9 out of 10. See, gives it a 10 out of 10. I give it a 9 out of 10. Um, there's a handful of things that I don't like about the movie. And I'll go over them right now. Um, 
First off, too many of these survivors survived. Oh yeah. For um, sure. go going into that. Uh, before I even go into that, Steve mentioned the new characters, which he didn't like. I didn't mind the new characters. Um, the problem with the new characters to me is that they were either playing again. Spoiler alert! But that's in the uh, that's before you click here. You can see the spoiler spoiler alert. So um, so when you click on that, you should know there's spoilers coming. Two of the new kid characters were killers, and the other character was the victim. So none of them are surviving to make it to the next round. And again, like none of them are going to play, none of them are going to do anything more than they've already done in this one. It's not like part five where Chad and Mindy made it out. Uh, Annika, what, what, what was that her name? Annika or Nika, I forgot her name. Yeah. But when she dies, again, that was, to me, one of her death was the best in the movie and one of the best in the franchise. Yeah, I agree. Um... Again, Quinn and Ethan are both revealed to be the killers at the end. Again, with um, again with their father, the cop, um, who's played by uh, with, um, Dylan. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Dylan uh, D- Dermot Mulroney. I forgot. I forgot his name. I never knew. But his name. Uh, yeah, yeah, played by him. The only thing I can really think of him too, too like like very clearly in is Young Guns, but. Um, so Quinn and Ethan are both killers, and their father's a killer. To me, I want to go into the killers for a second. Um, first thing I already I already started going into the first thing that I didn't like about the movie. First thing is that you don't need three killers. That's like that's quickly knocking off too many like too many could be victims. Like that's I said, true. I still go to see, see this movie to get see people get killed. Like I said, uh, that, that's a big thing coming up, too. Like I said, I go to this movie to see people get killed. Again, like some people, as Randy says, some of you ain't going to make it. <laughs> like I said, it seems like we, too many of these people made it out. Um, again, uh, obviously these killers got killed, but they weren't getting killed by, by uh, Ghostface because they weren't Ghostfaced. So I think but, you have the um, same problem with it as I do then, that there's just not enough suspects because it's all right that there's three killers. Um, I actually think that's unique because um, they've done one killer and they've done two killers. And I even I put a poll up on our page asking what people want, and three killers actually won. So people got what they wanted. I think the real problem is there wasn't enough people to round out the suspects and enough people to kill. So then when there is three killers, there is going to be too many, uh, too little people to kill. And then the fact that they were too pussy to like kill any characters in it, they pretty much uh, took it back that Gail died. They, they didn't kill Chad or none of them. Uh, that plus the fact that there's three killers, it just makes the suspect list very small and the body count. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say smaller, but we it definitely was we don't, we don't get. You, yeah, well, you, uh, we don't get we don't get main sorry, characters that get killed. Yeah, you think it's more because everyone that gets killed doesn't get killed. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah, and like again, so they could have used more side characters. Like, all right, you don't want to kill the main characters. Give us more bodies. You know, I'll round out the suspects a little more. Like, give us more uh, red herrings and stuff. I'm fucking like again, like I again. This didn't ruin the movie that much for me because I still give it a solid nine out of ten. But I'm surprised at the end of this movie because you think Gail gets killed. Yeah. You think Mindy gets killed. You think Chad gets killed. I don't know how the fuck Chad's about that. But like again, so you think all these people get killed, and they're all still alive. Like the end of this movie should have been like, they don't kill the killers. But the killers just get away with attempted murder because they don't actually kill anybody. 
<laughs> like, that should be that in the movie. But, like, yeah, so, they're so horrible that they just don't know how to kill people. Yeah, so Sam Carpenter kind of overreacted there. <laughs> the way she killed that Yeah, guy. yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, this yeah, for killing my killing therapist. <laughs> the one person yeah. you killed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, again, that's it. There's just too many survivors. Like, I need to see people die. Gail should have died in this. Like, this was the handing off the torch movie. Like, you don't need Gail in it. You, you already had the one survivor. You had, you had Sydney get away. Yeah, like, but uh, Gail has nothing more to add. I was like, ready for Gail to possibly die. I'm not gonna lie, but then when the scene actually came on, I, I kind of pussied out and had um cold feet, and I didn't want her to die. So I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of happy she survived. Uh, maybe that's me not wanting to let go of the past, but I just I don't know. I, I wasn't ready to see Gail die. I'm not, I was cheering for her to die. Like I said, <laughs> I wanted to put up a fight, but like I'm like, use some fucking balls, man. You, like want, I said, like you want we, zero sign of the old movies there, right? No, yeah, I want them done with. <laughs> like I said, it, it's en- enough is enough. I love Scream. I love the original Scream. But you don't need to keep bringing it a bit. This is the only franchise that brings back the same characters. Courtney Cox has been in every Scream movie. There has <laughs> never been, um, other than, other than uh, freaking uh, Jamie Lee Curtis... There has never been another actor, I don't think, in six harm and like like uh, a not like not villain like that. The, there's never been like a survivor in six horror movies. Yeah, that's true. Like again, like I'm not counting Robert England and like freaking <laughs> uh, what's his name and Doug Bradley, like and and, and uh, Child's Play. What's his name? Freaking um, like I, I can't think of Chucky's name. Freaking um, <laughs> Brad Dorif. What's his Brad Dorif? I'm not talking about these guys. Like I said, I'm I'm talking about like freaking um again. Courtney Cox is the only character. She's the only actress to be in the first six sequels to any movie. Yeah. The first five sequels, first six movies, uh, like about any of these horror movies, and she needs to die. Like I said, this movie needs to be handed off. The no, same yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's it. And like I said, and she needs to either die or she needs to pull a Neve Campbell and go, my paycheck ain't good enough, I ain't coming back. Yeah, get her a happy ending. That's it. <laughs> and like freaking like, the funny thing is Courtney Cox, I don't know if she's trying to do, uh, I, no, no pun intended, I don't know if she's trying to do a stab on Neve Campbell, but like, um, but she's, uh, she said that she, she came back, she was the first to sign on to play, the first to come back and sign on for the movie because she would play Gail for free. Wow. So I don't know if that was an attack on Neve Campbell not coming back because of the paycheck. <laughs> but again, it might have been. But um, also, uh, so for, before I go into anything, I want to get all back to what else I, I did not like about this movie. Um, again, like I said, there's too many killers. More people need to die. You need to have either Mindy or Chad died. I was rooting Chad. for Chad. Yeah. yeah, I was rooting for Chad to die. Um, again, Mindy is a, I, I like her better as a character as I know, I know Steve does too. Yeah. But yeah, they're not going to kill Ch- the Randy Ch- again. Ch- 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 Chad's good. But like, again, like, but like, I like Mindy and again, the one thing about Mindy's, Mindy should be death that I didn't like is that when she got stabbed, she's still being funny. Yeah. Um, I hate dying that. There, she, yeah. She, she's going, um, I got it wrong again. It's like, no one's fucking dying and going, oh, I got it wrong again. That's yeah, she's not like, happening. Fuck this franchise. All right, you know what? Maybe I changed my score to a 9.8 because um, I do have a problem with that part. Um, that and also uh, her, her Asian girlfriend, Annika, whatever, um, when yeah. they're being stabbed and, and um, they're barricading themselves from Ghostface in a room, they're like screaming and literally bleeding out, which I thought was really cool. Um, a lot of movies don't do that, uh, put emphasis on how dangerous it is to just bleed and bleed out. 
Uh, but we'll talk about more about uh, how they made the same mistake as Scream 5 at, at making stabbings mean nothing. But whatever. Um, they're bleeding out, and the girl's like, oh, can you say something more positive? Um, again, like, nobody's going to even think of a joke. Better yet, say it out loud when they're bleeding out and the killer's after them. So I agree. And I think yeah, that's, that... that's part of all. Um, the problem is because of the Marvel movies. I think the Marvel movies started that where uh, the stakes and, like, the suspense is, like, undercut by, by little quick uh, quirks and, and jokes and, you know, banter. So... You can blame the Marvel movies for that. Yeah, and we don't need that shit. Yeah, like I said, like, again, again, like, uh, Marvel Marvel fans are nerds. We're freaking nerds, too. We're horror fans. But we're, we, we, there's something to separate us. We're, yeah. we're, we're divided. Exactly. We don't need that crap. Yeah. Like I said, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. No, but this is, uh, again, so, uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I, I did... With the killers at the end, um, again, like I said, I thought there were too many killers. Um, I, I, I know you don't agree with that, but um, I, I didn't care much about the killers. Same. I didn't care. I didn't care about Quinn. I didn't care about um, who, who was the uh, who was the guy. I can't even think Ethan. of his name. Ethan. Um, Ethan. I could give two shits about. Just like some weird nerdy guy. Oh, they weren't terrible. It wasn't like I was watching the people in freaking Scream Three or like the people <laughs> in Scream Four. Like I said, they weren't like the friends around them weren't awful. They just didn't add that much to it. Um, yeah. Quinn, I mean Quinn, Ethan, and uh, Anike, whatever her name is, they, they were all solid, like just regular kids. But again, like their dialogue wasn't perfect. Th- those three, uh, may- maybe Quinn was better than the rest. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Ethan. At, at, I'll say one thing I liked about Ethan. Um, he sucked as a as a character and as a suspect, but then when he was actually revealed to be the killer, he was pretty good at coming off as um, what the the kids call nowadays an, an incel. So, like when it comes to like you know a, a different type of killer, you know Mickey the movie nerd, uh, Stu the guy that falls under pressure, freaking Roman like they all have like this like this thing that makes them like cycles, I guess and. Um, Ethan, I guess his thing was that he was just fed up with being a virgin and, and you know, fucking, like, a loser. So, um, and not to get, like, too t- too touchy, but he's, like, a kid that, that you could see doing, like, you know, a heinous thing at a school. The things that we see a lot of in the, in the news nowadays. Um, Steve, Columbine is nothing to joke about. Yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he comes off as, like, one of those kids. So, I think that's a good addition to, like, the, the list of types of people that have been killers. Um... The, the sister, she was whatever, I guess. I mean, she was a slut, sex positive, whatever. That's all she had going for her. But, uh, yeah, I, but think... I, don't, I don't even know. Sorry, but I don't yeah. even know if this is who those characters were. I think this might have just been who they were playing in the whole, like, scheme of things. Just, like, to, uh, oh, yeah. to throw them off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. Like, um, as a suspect, uh, same with you. I didn't care too much for them. But as a killer reveal, uh, the sister still didn't care. But I think Ethan did, did a great job at, at being, like, the... You know the 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 quiet kid in class that that would do something crazy like that, and then the dad's monologue was pretty good too. He he, you know it's funny after Scream One, Stu set the standard that when you do your reveal, your whole monologue, you have to freaking dial it up to like a hundred. And even the cop guy did that uh, as and it's interesting seeing like an older person do it because now we've seen like Roman who's like in his thirties. Now we have like a cop in his fifties. So every just seeing everybody do their best impression of Stu or their own version of Stu is is pretty pretty entertaining to me. Yeah, but I again like it, there's two things. I I I kind of guessed, especially on the subway scene. Um, I kind of guessed that the cop was the killer. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was thinking, who else could it be? Um, at that point, it was either it's it's 
it's either the officer or the hot neighbor. But then the hot neighbor was in the other car. Yeah, and, and he helped them cross the ladder too. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I, but at the same time, again, like the same thing would be in the car. Like this, so sometimes there's two killers. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think of like who the other killer could be. So I'm like, who else could have been in that scene out of the main characters, other than um, other than the, the officer? Uh, and you really like, want to uh, you want to really nitpick too about who was the killer. Um, this was very unbelievable because when they're tracking down where he is and they find out he's at Gale's, Ethan and the cop are there, right? When they're when they're tracking Ethan him down, Ethan and the, the cop are with them. Yep, because yeah, Ethan's in the car and offering uh, Chad some Doritos. Yeah, or something which like that. is a really cool scene of them being in a van and bringing up how Randy died in a van. She's like, my 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 uncle died just like this in broad daylight. Um, we're not safe in here, but um. So yeah, the fact that both of them are there, that must mean that the killer, uh, again, spoiler, that goes after Gail, was the girl. You mean to tell me that the, the sister, you know, who's a pretty normal-sized girl, I want to say she's a, a brolic or a huge girl, she, with ease, she was just able to take out uh, Corny Cox's muscular boyfriend like that? Like, she grabbed him and, you know, took him out of sight and killed him? Um, they even make a joke about it, like, oh, all those muscles for nothing? Um... But again, that's nitpicking. I just think it's funny that that that, that is it had to be the girl. Yeah, but but with that, uh, again, yeah, you're right. Like I said, there's no way that she could have taken down him. And again, like uh, I don't even think she's like. Sometimes they get that crazy ass strength. So when she's going to stab her in the head, like you could see why she might be that strong. Mm -hmm. But like, just because she's a little bit fucking nuts. But uh, yeah. But I totally expected, um, I, I suspected um, the cop to be the bad guy, and the, to be ghost-faced, because I was trying to think who else could be. And, but I didn't, that was the one thing that threw me off, Quinn. Because obviously everyone's thinking she's dead, but you know what? When he came back, and they revealed that there's two others with him, I figured the one's going to be his son, and I figured the second one's going to be Quinn. Because, again, like, why would he kill his own daughter, right? Yeah. So, I was thinking that. But, uh, yeah. And so, so that, that, And then that was just another play on um, Scream 1. It's a ex more extreme version of Billy uh, writing himself off as, as a suspect by dying in front of Sydney and bleeding and falling down the stairs and all that. That's his... That's how he did it. Um, Scream 6, everything's, you know, bigger scale and, you know, um, just a bigger movie. Now it goes all out. It's a, a cop literally uh, gets to a crime scene before everybody else does and swaps out the bodies to throw people off and make it look like she died. So, once again, very clever, but just a different, more more bigger version of what uh, Billy did in Scream 1. Well, talking about bigger, like, they, um, they, again, like, they added so much to it in a way that, like, again, uh, they, now they're killing people in public. Now they're killing people at the, at the convenience store. Um, they're killing people on the train that's like slam packed. Um, there's definitely, again, there's more, there's more blood in this movie. There's mm -hmm. more, uh, again, like Barrera, the, the actress who played, um, Sam, she was saying that the director kept yelling more blood, more sweat. And again, she said that expect her to be a more aggressive and violent, uh, ghost face than, than ever before. Yeah. And that's what this movie brought. And that's what I loved about it. It was just like, again, 
when they shove the knife inside someone, Ooh. you'd see the knife. They you, they show them twist the knife like inside the face. Yeah. You would uh again you would see the guts. It's kind of like what they did in Scream Four too, where you uh where you was it Scream Four or Scream Five? Um, Scream Four, where you see the guts falling out. I think they did that in Scream Five a little bit too, but this one did it even more so. Yeah. Um. When when they cut up uh. We're gonna go into a couple different scenes in the movie in a little bit too, but when they cut this guy Jason's, uh, was that like Jason's boyfriend or just part? It was just her, his partner, right? Oh uh, wait, beginning. Jason? The, the the guy in the fridge. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I think they were just friends. They they um, they were two movie nerds from Atlanta that came from rich backgrounds, so they were able to afford that shrine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So again, so he was uh, again, he was cut up in the pieces and put in the fridge, and see that quite cl- cl- clearly. Yeah. So again, this movie again it went over the top with a lot of stuff, and I like that a lot. Um, uh, I just want to go into the we we, we always talk about the opening scene, mm-hmm. and again, so the opening scene of this movie, eh, it wasn't like until until the, the until they did the the full on what the fuck until like he took off the mask. Yeah. The opening scene was all right. Um, yeah, I don't care. So for the it. opening. Yeah, the opening scene take in this movie it takes place with um, it takes place with the teacher. I, I guess she's she's their film professor, right? Mm-hmm. And she's also in Ready or Not, right? Is that what you said before? Yeah, she's the main girl in there. Yeah, so she's the main girl in Ready or Not. I forgot this girl's name, Savannah or something. Samara Weaving. S- Samara Weaving. Okay, so but she's in that. She again, and you know what? I was about to say, she rel- she reminds me of um, a lot of Olivia Diabo. And I said this before, but I think I might have been thinking to talk about the movie right, Ready or Not before. But I remember watching it and be like, yeah, that really looks like her. And ha- I, I know you're a little bit younger than I am, Steve. Have you seen the, the show The Wonder Years? No. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay, so she plays the older sister, Karen, on that show. And she's also in a movie called The Big Green, which I don't know if you saw. No. But The gr- Big Green is like a... Uh, it's kind of like a lesser known Mighty Ducks, Little Giants, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Little Giants, Mighty Ducks, and. Sandlot? Sandlot. So it's like a lesser known one of those, but it's about soccer. And oh, it stars wow. the great Steve Gutenberg, aka Officer Mahoney, and, um, and Olivia Diabo as two coaches. She plays a teacher and he plays a, a sheriff, and they coach a soccer team. Uh, the great Hambino's in it from um, The Sandlot. And so this, she reminded me a lot of Olivia. I'm just saying that um, the opening girl in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I again, I don't know. I, I this happened before, like I said, where like an actress reminds me of her. So maybe, maybe I just have a thing for her where I just look at people and I see her. Yeah, um, yeah. she she looks. Um, uh, they say there's three actresses that look like uh, Samara Weaving, um, Margaret Robbie, and Jamie Presley from My Name's Earl. Jamie Presley and Margaret Robbie. Look a hundred percent alike. You don't yeah, think Samara like, Weaving does? She looks like them, but not a hundred percent. Like yeah. there's a picture of Jamie Presley and Margot Robbie online, mm-hmm. where it's like half one face and half the other, and it looks like you're trying to figure out which one it is, but it's <laughs> both of them. Yeah, and it's fucking nuts. Um, again, um, oh, I remember there's something going on around like Facebook right now. Like, was Stacey Dash the hottest actress in the '90s? And she's definitely up there. Um, Stacey Dash, if you don't know her, she plays uh, D. Um, she plays Dion and Clueless. Mm-hmm. And but uh, but Jamie Presley, God, the nineties. 
Jesus. Like I said, she she was a knockout. I see her more as a two thousands girl, but yeah, she's hot. Yeah, uh, Jamie, she's like late nineties too. Again, I'm trying yeah. to think. Uh, I guess she's like early early two thousands, but I I'm trying to think when Ringmaster came out, the Jerry Springer movie. Huh, and then uh, again, but she was in Joe Dirt, which you're right, early two thousands, I believe. Not another teen movie was that two thousand? Yep, I guess so. Two thousand one, yeah. Yeah. So again, like so, like late eighties or, or late nineties, early two thousands. We'll, we'll have to agree but, to disagree because I think I think Stacey Dash is hotter. Uh, I'm not saying that she's hotter than Stacey Dash. I'm just saying she's in the running. Um, I I will say Jennifer Love Hewitt is hotter than Stacey Dash. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like again, I, I think I don't think we're disagreeing that Stacey Dash isn't the hottest mainstream actress from the '90s. I think we're a hundred percent. Again, we we just said it, Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Jamie um, Lee Curtis. I don't I don't know if Jamie Lee Curtis. No, no, I mean sorry, <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, <laughs> then again, Jamie Lee Curtis is pretty hot in that scene. True Lies. Yeah, I was just gonna say True Lies. She was pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, again, at Again, I'm just. I, I want to point it out first too. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was born with a dick. That's that, that's true. They cut they cut it off. She was a uh, half and half, so she was born a hermaphrodite. I did not know that. But yeah, um, I, th- I, I thought we'd throw some knowledge out to our <laughs> good to, to know to our listeners. You know? Um, no, but um, I completely agree though. The intro, I mean the opening, that first part could care less. But then when the mask gets taken off, I was like, all right, this is interesting. It's something we haven't done before. And I was like, all right, let's see where this is going. But then it, it did have me a little worried. Like, is this going to be a screen movie where where um, the whole time we know who the killer is and we're just going to be looking at the, the characters trying to figure it out while we know? I um, I never thought that. I, I didn't think that they would do that. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask you, though, um, how would you feel if they did do that? That'd be stupid, right? Yeah, yeah. That, the whole point, the whole like a big part of Scream is getting you involved in the movie. Yeah, so that's who, why I was a little worried. Is... I was like, oh fuck, they're gonna do where, where we know who, or maybe we know who one of the killers are, and then we have to figure out the rest. But I'm glad that's not the no. route they went. But um, technically, that means that this movie has five ghost faces because um, you know, the first two from the opening, one we only. Yeah, see... but my question before is, do you count those two? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't. But have they yeah. donned the mask? Yeah, in in that universe, yeah. We, we just didn't get to yeah. see the guy in the fridge in action. But um, um, I, I do want to give props to the opening, though. Once again, um, it's just everything Scream 1 did, except on a bigger scale, which is good because, you know, it's changing it up um, and, you know, giving us more. The The first one starts with Drew Barrymore alone in a house. So what do they do? This one is a girl in a bar that's a really busy bar in New York City out of all places. So it's like very – a lot of risks were taken, and I think they paid off. Um. It's not even her phone that rings. It's a phone um, at the the receptionist at the front of the restaurant or the bar, or whatever. She picks up and puts them on hold. So that's not even who the killer was. Oh, so from the very beginning, they're throwing us off. Uh, the phone call in the beginning is not the phone call of Ghostface, but then she gets a phone call. Oh, she gets a text message, whatever. She's talking to him. Um, but that part I thought was really stupid that she's actually willing to walk out and into an alley just because the guy's like, oh, I'm lost. But um. It immediately uh, picks itself up with the guy taking off his mask, and then the part of him walking through the streets of New York after he puts the, the costume away uh, is just very, very creepy and was really well done without it having to do anything crazy with, like, ominous music or, like, you know, some creepy camera angles. It's literally just the guy that just killed somebody and then casually went about their day, and it, like, just shows you how, like, you know, these monsters are out there, and you never know somebody that you could be walking by could be a killer. So that part really, like, got under my skin a lot. And then he went home and, and you know, 
popped popped open uh, I mean, put, popped in a movie put on a movie he freaking uh, had a beer and was about to watch TV all casually talked to Tara on the phone casually after he just killed somebody that was a really good depiction of a complete psychopath or sociopath whatever and then the killer um, turning the tables and giving him a phone call that was really cool seeing Ghostface get a call from a Ghostface whatever um, and it made a sound too again uh, the, the, the beginning throws you off a lot and you think you know what you're going to get into but the movie ends up being very unpredictable which is another big uh, plus that we should give it uh, the movie's not predictable at all um, I thought maybe Ghostface was gonna be like a, a do-gooder, like a like a good guy maybe, like you know, saying to him like, uh, you know, that was a person you killed, that was your teacher, or whatever. Like, how can you just kill somebody like that? And then he kills the guy, and he's like, hey, do you feel like an animal? So, that part just made me think like they were going in a whole different direction. But it turns out that I think the reason why he was talking that way was because how Richie was killed and stabbed so many times by by Sam. I, mean, I could be reaching. Maybe he just said that they didn't think too much into the story, but. Um, in general, just the beginning, you have no idea what the hell is going to happen. So they, they do a really good job at setting up without telling you too much and then just keep you like wondering what what you're about to get into. So great movie. Great intro, I mean. Also at the beginning, the guy who plays Jason, the, the first killer in the movie, um, he's Tony... I don't even know how to say his name either. I'm t- terrible with like modern day like films sometimes uh, or culture in general, uh, <laughs> like uh, pop culture. What's the guy? He's like... Tony Revolari? I don't know. That's the first time I heard this guy's name while I was looking up for, like, some notes for, like, the podcast today. I was was looking it up, and, like, he's the asshole in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, yeah, he's Flash Thompson, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, again, we were talking about about, uh, those uh, comic movies before. So, again, the, the Marvel movies. So, again, he's from that. So... Maybe they were trying to do something like that too, like you said. We were saying, like with the jokes and stuff. Yeah. Maybe they brought him there too, because because he's known for those movies, you know. Yeah, and and um, uh, I know a lot of people didn't like him as Flash Thompson in Spider Man, whatever. But um, I think he was great in this as as like I said, a sociopath. So um, really good opening, but I completely agree about the first half. Uh, t- took a while to get there, even though it was a, a nice tribute to the original. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um. Talk about tributes. The movie is kind of tribute to West too. Yeah. Like again, um, they uh, there were certain things in there where they talked about Last House on the Left, um, Deadly Blessing, Nightmare on Elm Street, Deadly Friend, Shocker, People Under the Stairs, and Vampire in Brooklyn. So they brought up or showed it with costumes or either brought up certain things about a lot of his films. So I, I, another tribute they did to him, which me and Steve completely disagreed with, but uh, again they probably brought it up because of him. There's a scene where Mindy and Kirby are talking about horror movies, and they're right. They're 100% right with one thing. Um, Psycho 2 is very underrated, but they also said that Nightmare on Elm Street was the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which is not true. Dream Warriors is. Um, Steve, you agree with that, right? Yeah, 100%, but uh, like we said, they, they just weren't going to you know, say something against uh, Wes Craven's movie. Yeah, but they also said some stuff too. I, I guess maybe it'd be like a little woke or something. I don't know, but like they, uh, they're talking about the Candyman movie, and they're saying the remake is just as good. Yeah, that was a hundred percent their their one woke thing. Um, and then I'll give it a plus for that too. Um, they managed to put in something woke just to please those people without it being like shoehorned or like too forced down our throat. I think that was pretty much the only woke thing I, I noticed. So I noticed I, I noticed one more woke thing. And again, like it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have nothing against. I, I you know, I, I got nothing against the gay community. To each their own. Everyone has fun. I don't give a shit. Everyone lives their life and love it. Again, but I feel like 
everything you watch now needs to have gay characters in it. <laughs> um, it's like, I'm not knocking it. It's just like, I go into something like, who are the gay characters going to be? Like, again, like, it needs to be there. And it's weird. It's like, it's, it's not like, it's like they specifically go, oh, we need to write gay characters in this. Yeah. But I feel like this was like, there's some places where they overdo it. No, this was done well, and What? I did, they didn't do it that bad in this one. No, they do well, but like in Hellraiser, they overdid it. Yeah. In the new Hellraiser. Um, in the Craft, they overdid it. Um, craft remake or original? The Craft remake. I, With the this, this was kind of like Halloween. Like Halloween, I think two of the characters in the new Halloween franchise, like the, 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 the new ones, were Big John and Little John. Mm-hmm. I think those were the t- two of the greatest characters in Halloween history. So again, like they did it great. And also with this, like a lot of them, like you might as well just be showing a sex scene with the two partners and just have them getting like, like a full blown, like NC 17 sex scene. <laughs> but like, again, with this, it's just kind of hinted out, oh, this is my girlfriend and whatever. And that's it. And they don't really go into it that, that, that deep into it. And again, that's fine. Like I said, but like again, so I I liked how they they added that into it, but they didn't shove it in your face the whole time. It's not like no, this is why you're watching. It's kind of like Candyman. Everyone says like this. Candyman did the same thing with racism. They uh, again and injustice. Like I said, everyone says well, the original Candyman. Obviously, the story is about injustice and racism, which it is. But watching the new Candyman, which I you know I somewhat like. I don't like knocking it the whole time. Um, I somewhat liked the new Candyman. I didn't think it was good as the original. I didn't think it was great in any way, but I liked it more than I thought I would. But still, the movie was just like... If, did, did you see the new Candyman? No, I didn't. It ended with, like, the cops, like, doing something, for, like, awful. That They were just, like, baking some shit up. I forgot how it ended, but they were like... They were like, no, this is how it happened, and you're going to say this is how it happened, because that's how we say it happened. <laughs> and again, like... It's like, all right, so you're saying cops are pieces of shit. I get it. That's what's going on in the news. But now I don't feel like I'm watching a horror movie. I feel like I'm just watching, like, cop, c- cop slander. Yeah. And, like, again, like, and whatever it may be. And then you talk to these people, and they're like, well, that is horror. You know, it, it, it is horror. It's really happening. I'm like, well, you know what? The Titanic crashing really happened. That was horror. But that's not a horror movie. But, like... Yeah, maybe horror, so it, but um, do we want to see it as an entertainment form in our movies no you know like yeah uh, like Candyman, the original it still covered those themes and really important stuff to like you know highlight and and you know to educate people on but did they make that like you know the central of the movie did they did they preach did they make you feel like you know like like you're like watching a, a, a seminar or like a powerpoint or something no it's just the stuff going on in the background of the themes but when they make it the full focus uh that's when i have a problem with it that's why i've been avoiding the Candyman remake because i don't want to like yeah. You know, ruin what I think of uh, the Candyman story in general because uh, it has a lot of potential, and I like the fact that they remade it, and they should still touch on those themes. But when I hear that that it's like too woke and too shoved down my throat, I just I'm, I'm kind of been avoiding it on purpose because of that. And what sucks is that like, it's not a bad movie, Candyman, the remake. It's not bad, mm-hmm. but when watching it, you know what they're trying to do because you've been told what they're trying to do, and then you watch it and you can't get past it because it's so in your face. Yeah, that's annoying. That. You're sitting there going like, ah, oh, man, what, 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 why you gotta fuck with the good thing? Yeah. Like I said, like, but like, uh, so I'm gonna step away from the woke stuff now because again, I got that out there. I know 
some of you like again are or like that kind of stuff and nothing against it to each their own so again I'm gonna step away from that because again some of you don't want to hear that and I don't want to go on talking about that because just like I was just talking about we're doing a horror podcast not a political podcast or whatever yeah so let's get out of that for a sec um, me and Steve were also talking about earlier about Friday the 13th because in this movie one says Friday the 13th part 2 I think I think I think, uh, I think, uh, what's her name? Um, I think Mindy says part four is the best. Yeah. And Kirby says part two is the best, if I'm not mistaken. Well, uh, Kirby says the one with Corey Feldman's the best. Okay, so so Kirby says that part four is the best, mm-hmm. and Mindy says part two is the best. Crush on I didn't agree with Mindy. Part two is, I, I was saying, it's like, that's where like, the format for Friday the 13th came in. That's what separates... Friday 13th Part 2 is the reason why Friday 13th is different than Halloween. It's the reason why it's a little bit more different than Nightmare on Elm Street than it, than it has to be. Obviously, it's different because Freddy's killing people in their dreams and stuff like that. But, like, it's more different than that. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, first of all, goes with the creativity of the kills. Um, you'll only see three or four kills in each movie. Same with, like... Halloween, Halloween you see maybe like four or five kills in each movie. It's never anything crazy. Um, when you get to the Friday 13 sequels, less about creativeness. Um, Tom, Feed, Tom Savini has stepped away after that. He might have done. He actually might have done the, the final the uh, the final chapter part four. I forget, but he steps away from after final Friday 13 part one. He steps away at least for a little bit, but it starts to go to um, again. Quantity, not quality of the kills. That's why that's why Friday thirteenth is probably my least favorite of the franchises. It's um again, it's very formatted. Um each each one of the Fridays is exactly alike and none of them are that exciting. Um Friday thirteenth six grew on me. I used to hate it and it used to be everyone's favorite. It still is. It's Friday thirteenth part six everyone loves. I used to hate it until I watched it maybe two years ago. And I'm like, oh this movie's pretty fucking awesome. But, um, but like, altogether, the sequels, it's just, again, not very creative. It's just, let's get some bodies in there and kill them. And, like, again, like, I, I normally like that, but, again, I want to see, like I said, I, I, I want to see people getting their balls chopped off. I, I, <laughs> I want to see people losing limbs and stuff like that. Like, I want to see people getting their heads uh, chopped off or having a pitchfork go through someone's head. Um... Again, Friday doesn't always bring all that. It's like a lot of slashing, a lot of like, uh, again, which is kind of funny because I love Scream and Scream's a lot of slashing. But, uh, but again, Friday 13th Part 2 is when they brought in like 15 people just to get killed off. Um, there's one cool scene in Friday 13th 2 where there's a handicapped guy in a wheelchair. I forgot his name. But he gets like a meat cleaver in his face or something like that. And then he gets pushed downstairs backwards. And cool. they do like a, the way they film it, like they, uh, I forget that like film in like um, they change up the speed of him going down the stairs. It's pretty cool, but again, you said Kirby had a crush on Corey Feldman, who's in Friday Part Four. Uh, Final chapter is one of the biggest Friday Thirteens. I think that's because it, a Corey Feldman's in it, and b because that was supposed to be the one that everything ended on. And I think again, um, I remember he. I think Corey Feldman like. 
he becomes Jason again, just kind of like you said. How uh, I guess kind of like that too. How she becomes, uh, um, how she becomes Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Corey Feldman shaves his head and becomes Jason in the movie, and like oh. to attack him, and he puts the machete through Jason's head. Oh, wow. So again, I'm gonna st- again talking a lot about Friday. Um, some of you might, might not even care about Friday, but Friday Part Two is higher on my rankings than Friday Part Four. So I'll have to agree with Mindy on that. Yeah, it's important to talk about though, because um, um, and again, the screen movies have so much going for it. Uh, you don't necessarily need to have a bunch of one thing for it to work. Uh, one thing that this movie had a lot less than the other ones, I feel like, is the horror movie references and the callbacks and the tributes and Easter eggs. Um, so that one conversation between Mindy and Kirby, it's like one of the few that we get. So I mean, do do you agree? I I kind of noticed that. Uh, you know, referencing other horror movies kind of took a backseat in this one. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of visual references, like yeah. you said, like with the movies playing and with the posters on Jason's wall, and with the uh, again with the a lot of uh, the costumes or in the Halloween theme. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, and let's talk about um, let's break down um, certain scenes, including that one. But before we get to that, uh, we gotta address was Neve Campbell Sydney necessary for this movie? Because a lot of people were like. I'm not going to watch it because Sydney's not in there. It's not going to work without her. There's no screen without Sydney. Um, and I'm just going to say, and I think Steve agrees with me, this movie proved that you absolutely did not. And honestly, I'm kind of glad she wasn't in it because I don't see where she would have fit in. And this movie, like I said, I give it a really high score, pretty much a perfect score. Um, I don't want anything that would have messed with how good the movie came out. So I think Sydney would have been more of a hindrance than, than an asset. Well, you could see in Scream Five too. Like, also, they're just—they tried to force her into it a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. Again, uh, it's always nice to see Dave Campbell, but again, like, I, and Steve will also agree with me too. Um, again, this is a take that every, most people probably would not agree with. Me and Steve both agree that Tara and Sam, especially Sam, is a stronger leading woman in this series than Dave Campbell. Yeah. Um. Uh, again, but a lot of people aren't going to agree with us. But that's what we feel. And to be and, fair, um, it, it's also because we, I mean, we like Sam, like the actor better. But it's also not the actor, but like the character better. It's also because the way she was directed, like you said before, with the director, they kept yelling more blood, more sweat, more dirt, whatever. Uh, that added so much. By the end of the movie, she looked like fucked up, like she went through war. And um, I, I know Sydney, obviously, by the end of the movie, she's bleeding too, and she's pretty beat up. But this movie just made it look like. You know, this girl gets down and dirty, and and it's like more at the front lines of it. Like it, it, it's just at the end of it, she looked more like a warrior than Sydney did. So the directing helped her too. By the way, was it Tara at the end that who, who shoots um, you know who stabs uh who stabs Ethan in the mouth? Ethan in the mouth. Tara. Tara, right? Yeah, that was awesome. And then and then Sam's up top with uh with Quinn, and she goes that. Now you have two dead brothers, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that stab to the mouth was a a callback to Psycho 2, right? Didn't they do that in Psycho 2? I haven't seen Psycho 2 in a while. I remember it being really good. I just haven't watched it in a while. I can't Yeah, I think, I think somebody guy. got stabbed through an open mouth like that. But, yeah, that kill was fucking amazing. I loved it. All the uh, – and let's talk about that too. Um, Besides the really cool stabbings that we enjoyed, you know, seeing it go through the face like you know the camera doesn't cut away when when Ghostface stabs him in the gut and then twists it around like something i've never seen before all that stuff is great but uh, one complaint about about this movie that i also had with five i said five addressed 
I mean, they addressed everything that I had with five except for this. Um, the stabbing still don't mean anything. Uh, like uh, we we kind of touched on it before by saying too many people survive, but in general, these people get stabbed and just keep walking like if they were just like you know like if somebody just threw a paper ball at them. Um, Tara gets stabbed in the gut when she falls down from like um, two stories, and then at the end she's just sitting down casually with Sam uh, talking like about what just happened. Like you would be grabbing onto your wound, trying to stop it from bleeding. You know, you'd be in agonizing pain, but for some reason, these last two movies, um, stabbings don't mean that much. But I was thinking about it because it's really been bothering me after Scream 5 and then the fact that Scream 6 did it all over again. Um, to defend them, I think the reason why they do that is because just like there are certain rules with like the horror movies, like, like Randy laid out the rules of a horror movie, whatever. I think Scream now has its own rules. Um, like You can even notice by the fact that the last couple Screams... They barely reference other horror movies anymore. They just reference the previous stab movies or the previous scream movies, or whatever. Like, there's been so many of them now that they don't even have to be meta and 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 commentate on on other horror movies. They could just commentate within their own series. Um, I think it's been established in the rules after Dewey survived in Scream Two that stabbings in this universe don't mean that much. So, um, like, I have a problem with it, but it was actually also already done because Dewey should have died in Scream 2 with how much he got stabbed and how he bled from the mouth and was thrown against the glass, whatever. And that actually was a kill scene. That that was filmed for him to die. But then the test uh, audience or something wanted him back. Somebody complained something, but Wes Craven decided to add at the end um, that he survived after all. So I think the fact that everybody survived stabbings, um, you can blame Dewey for that because he kind of set the precedent of you could get stabbed over and over again. That doesn't necessarily mean you died. You know, they, they just might cut away from you for a little. The scene might go to something else, and you know, you're you're gone from the movie for a little bit, but you might still survive. So I think they're just taking the Dewey surviving thing really far with with Gale and everybody now. Well, even again, like I feel like uh, even this might be like the Scream universe. I still like to feel like when I'm watching Scream and watching the thing that made Scream one terrifying is that it was very realistic. Yeah. So again, like I, I don't like how they do that. If anything, uh, this, this should make us appreciate Randy dying a little more because that took a lot of balls. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, with um, it's funny how like you, you go back and watch Scream 2 and Randy gets cut up pretty bad. Yeah. And you get the blood dripping from the van and they show him all cut up. But like, you look at the stuff that they add into it now and it's 100% like crazier than that. Oh yeah, that Randy like, kill looked so crazy back then. You're right. It, it looks so tame now. But like... Um, <laughs> But uh, with I could somewhat see why like new viewers would who watch this might go, oh, we like Scream Six rather than Scream One, just because it's like some people who aren't like big film fans, they're gonna like Saw more than like the, like, the Shining or whatever, because again <laughs> that movie came out thirty years ago, and like I said, it's very tamed compared to like something like that. So maybe they want to see the excitement. Maybe they want to see like if they aren't like big into like acting like oh like oh we we love how we love how Billy and Stewart were in this movie or whatever and Jamie Kennedy maybe they aren't into the characters as much and want to see that nonstop excessive gore and stuff like that this would be the movie to go to. You know it's funny when you started that sentence I thought you were being like um like Homer Simpson when he says everybody's stupid except for me <laughs> I was like oh he, I was like oh Steve's about to be bitter about about the, the new kids liking the other one better but that point you just made is actually exactly why that's you you nailed it with that that's it's it's a combination of that the fact that you know the new ones um bigger budget newer but also the fact that they weren't young enough to see Scream and the impact that it had uh, the first time you see it. 
and then the subsequent movies that we got after Scream and how much Scream changed the game and other movies trying to be like it. So the impact kind of gets lost over time because, you know, there's been so many other movies like Scream and they might have seen it in a different orders where they saw those movies first and then they saw Scream. So then Scream's not that much because, you know, oh, I already saw Urban Legend. This is similar to that. But if you watch Scream when it came out and then Scream 6 also when it came out, there's no way um, you could say that 6 is a better movie. At least not more yeah. original. Again, yeah, there was nothing for for those of you who are young and just don't know. Or again, <laughs> I'm not knocking you. Um, again, those of you don't don't know the history of horror films. Like I said, horror comes and goes. Like I said, horror was huge, like huge in the early '70s and '70s, and like kind of died down a little bit. And then the '80s, the slashers picked up. Then slashers were kind of dying down by the mid, like by the late '80s. Uh, 90s horror was dying out. Like you had a couple big ones. You had Silence of the Lambs. You had uh, you had um, trying to think what else. Dracula, um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. You had a couple of big things that came out, but horror wasn't a big genre back then. Everything was action comedy. Everything was Independence Day and Dumb and Dumber <laughs> and freaking uh, best comedy so ever, some, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a gr- great comedy. I don't know best, but it's definitely up in my top five. <laughs> and then you have. Uh, Again, you had movies like the Shawshank Redemption and stuff like that. Like yeah, you had these big blockbuster, amazing movies coming out that like should be no- nominated for Academy Award winner, like Forrest Gump, things like that. Horror movies were out the door, man. And Scream just came along. Like Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Kevin Williamson, giving him the most credit, he wrote this. And he's like, this is what we need. And then they got like Drew Barrymore in, and after that, like Wes Craven's like, all right, all right I'll do it. And again, like, so when Scream it came out, I don't, I don't know what people think when they watch Scream now, because again, I, I don't have the same, same like, like, uh, sight as I do as, as I watch it. I don't have the same per- per- perspective of it. Like, again, like, um, again, when I saw it, Scream blew my fucking mind, and it has ever since I saw it. Yeah. Again, just because I was around then, just because I knew what was happening then, and just because, again, like I said, that was a movie that sucked me into horror. Yeah. So again, I'm not knocking people for thinking Scream Six is better. Again, they, I I just want them to be aware of why me and Steve and so many other horror fans would not agree with that. Yeah, and um, also not just the fact that the impact um gets lost, whatever, all the time that went by, all the movies that people have seen, probably in in all kinds of orders. Um, but the fact that nowadays we have so much content everywhere. We have YouTube, we have Instagram videos, we have you know. TV, everything, um, people have been desensitized also to meta commentary and breaking the fourth wall and winking at the camera and all that. That's not a big deal nowadays. Um, watching a, a cartoon or a TV show and then they look at the camera or they acknowledge that they're in a movie, that's whatever. People are used to that. They've seen it all the time. What they don't know is that when Scream came out, a movie that's playing in theaters, um, you know, maybe a TV show will do this, but a, an actual Hollywood movie talking about other movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, talking about Halloween, playing Halloween at, at a party, uh, talking about Jamie Lee Curtis and when she showed her breasts, all this stuff, all this like commentary on horror, that had never been seen or done before uh, on, on pretty much anything, not just horror. There was never like a big budget Hollywood movie that acknowledged like all the other ones before. Maybe, um, did Last Action Hero with Arnold do that? Uh, what? No. It was like a commentary on, on action no. movies, right? No. No, I, I think nowadays you could break the wall. And only movie I still type of movie I still don't agree with breaking the, that wall on is Steve. I think you agree. 
in X-rated films, right? <laughs> yeah, I hate I that. I don't do that shit. It just takes you I away. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe that that guy's the postman. <laughs> yeah, yep. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, and then you have things like Deadpool, um, who literally talks to the audience throughout the whole movie. So if a kid sees Scream nowadays... When they see Drew Barrymore pick up the phone and talk about all the nightmares suck except for the first one, you know, they're not going to think anything of it. But when we were watching it back in the day, we're like, what the fuck? Did she just acknowledge the nightmare movies, which is directed by the guy that directed this movie? And then she talked about double sucking and then this one's better. Like, we never saw a character be the audience, just like Randy being the audience. Like, all that stuff, it's been done to death now. So kids will watch Scream and it might not be a big deal. All that stuff will get lost in them, but... Um, hearing a movie reference, uh, seeing characters that ref that are literally uh, putting a mirror up to the audience, it's like it's you see yourself in the character. Um, Scream did that like no other, and it hasn't been done as well since. And you know you could say Scream Six is better because it was more action, more whatever you like the kills better and all that. But when it comes to how you feel the first time you watch it, how how refreshing it is, how different it is, how you know how much it was necessary for the horror genre. Uh, Scream 1 is still the most important movie that have come out um, since Scream. Um, I, I don't want to even say Saw or, or Insidious, any of those other movies that may have um, started out a whole new genre or whatever, um, Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity, all those yeah, big impact, huge milestone in horror. But I think Scream was the last most important movie to come out and has, has yet to be topped. I know you don't like it or are not a big fan of it, but I think Blair Witch is very important. Yeah, it is. Um, 100%. I was going to say, yeah, I back to what Steve was saying. Try to find a J.B. Kennedy in a horror movie before Scream. Mm -hmm. Try to find a killer in a slash movie before Scream, like Stu Mocker or freaking, like, you, you, you aren't going to. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I, I challenge you. Um, please, if you're listening to this, write this in the comments. Like I said, like, try to find these uh, people and let me know because I'd love to see it. But to me, they don't exist. Yeah. Um, like we said, the first screen was a perfect mixture, like we say, of the MTV generation and the Breakfast Club and slasher films. Yes. Um, and, uh, one thing, too, that I just noticed the opening, um, Drew Barrymore in, in the original, she answers the phone and she's just um, a casual fan, whatever. Um, you know, she she did all right in, in the test, right? Like, she, she knew who who the killer was, whatever. She Was Drew Barrymore supposed to be a hardcore horror fan? Like, like Randy? No, right? No, she was supposed to be like, yeah. you know, casual horror fan. Yeah, so there you go. So um, Scream 1 starts with a casual horror fan picking up the phone and getting quizzed, whatever. Uh, Scream 6, like I said, everything, uh, they up to scale. Now the person picking up the phone is actually a, a horror movie teacher. And then she makes some really good points, stuff that we even pointed out on the podcast before. Uh, when the killer asks her, like, why slashers? Why, why is that what you study and teach, whatever? She's like, oh, I just like it because it's like a nice reflection of where society is with the tropes, um, what the tropes were at that time. Which is very true. So, um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, Scream Six did the meta thing very well uh, on a bigger scale. But once again, um, she's just a bigger scale version of Drew Barrymore. This time, she's a teacher that actually knows all about the slashers, and she still went to a dark alley. <laughs> Let's say she's just an Olivia Diablo wannabe. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> she again, and Allison said this during the movie too. Allison, thank you for mentioning this during the movie. Talking to me, <laughs> but like, uh, but she she, she mentioned that. Um, Again, when she gets the call and she finds out that there's someone who might be trying to kill her in the alley, why is she not running away? Yeah. Like, again, and why is she not running out of the alley? Again, like, 
talking about things that people would be doing. Like I said, if I got a call, it's not, it's not like those things where it's like, oh, if I'm dying, I'd be making jokes. If I got a call saying someone's going to try to kill me inside a dark alley, I'd be getting that out of that alley as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I I felt like that alley scene kind of reminded me of, especially if she tried to escape. I know we did last time a little bit with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, I thought she'd get grabbed in like some tires or something like that and, and hooked up. Yeah, and that was intense right there. Um, seeing her get stabbed and then um, the shot of like her 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 feet, like her high heels, like seeing her try to like stay up and balance, like um, that's a nice little small detail. These directors are fucking great, man. I I want them to remake Nightmare on Elm Street. I want them to remake Friday. Anything that needs to be remade, uh, these guys should get the job because they're they're fucking amazing. I was telling you this the other day, I, Nightmare on Elm Street. I I, I really. I didn't dislike the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and I want them to continue on with the series. I like, I want to like see new creative uh, Freddy deaths. Yeah, me too. Because I, I want to see them go into that kind of stuff. Uh, what's her name? Hayden Panettiere or mm-hmm. Panettiere, what the fucking name is? Yeah. Uh, she was supposed to be back in part five, but they couldn't find her. <laughs> like I said, she didn't have an agent. She she didn't make a movie for the past like five years, and they couldn't find her anywhere. Um, she was hinted out in the movie in the in the poster for this movie um, on the subway on the New York City subway poster thing, with all the screams like being di- different subway cars. Yeah. Uh, di- di- uh, different subway lines. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like? Her her uh, her stop was marked off as like uh, under construction or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it was hinted out that she was gonna be in this movie though, and then she came into the movie. Yeah. Um, and also, I like um, she she did kind of like what I talked about in Scream Five, where um, if a character dies, they could still kind of like come back with a spiritual successor, or maybe they combine two characters, or or a character takes over the role of a previous character, like in um, Scream Five. Dewey was kind of like the new Randy, the guy that knew the rules. I like how Kirby now is like the new veteran, and and you know the one that knows the rules. She's like pretty much took over Dewey's role since Dewey li- died in the last one. So yeah, um, uh, uh, she's part of the core four now. Yeah, the core five. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought that I, I thought that was cool. I thought that like again was a New York thing too, since the Yankees have the core four. Oh, I don't know that. Their, <laughs> yeah, the the Yankees core four were Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, and Jorge Posada, who all came up together. Yeah. Again, so I didn't know if maybe that had something to do with the core four and New York thing. Probably, and and if it does, they did it really um, subtly, so that's better because um, we also talked about this. One thing we liked about this movie is, uh, even though New York is a great setting. I love that they took it there. Uh, they didn't make it too much of like the focus, or like they didn't make it corny, where where it's like, all right, now let's see Ghostface on the Empire State Building, or Ghostface is is gonna you know order a pizza or something. Like they didn't they didn't like get too over the top with the New York stuff, kind of like Jason Takes Manhattan did. It was just in the back in the background, and it it set up some nice set pieces like the train scene, or or you know them being up in, uh, in buildings, and then how the girl fell and died. That was awesome. Uh, hitting a dumpster, by the way, which is a uh, very New York way to die, I guess. <laughs> but um, and the funny thing about Jason Takes Manhattan mm-hmm. is that like the movie ended up. There's a joke. I, I had the Crystal Lake Memories book, and there's a joke that they they they, let, they laugh about, it and that like it slowly went just because of the budget. It went from all right, we'll put seventy five percent of the movie in Manhattan, twenty five percent on the boat trip there. It ended up the opposite. Then it goes like all right, we'll do fifty fifty. <laughs> then it goes all right, we'll do twenty five seventy five. All right, we'll do twenty eighty. So it's like twenty percent of the movie takes place in the city, and they don't really show like the Empire State Building and stuff like that. But they show like like you were just pointing out, they show like 
big billboards that said like "Welcome to New York" or "I love New York" and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. And like, again, like yeah, they, yeah. They, and they, I, I guess there's such a small time they spend <laughs> there that they had to kind of rub it in like that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, filming in New York supposedly is expensive, but um, yeah, Scream Six had that budget. You, um, what was that Friday? What, what Friday was was it when he went to Manhattan? Well, they didn't even film in New York for Scream Six. They filmed in Canada. Really? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that looked really good. But, yeah, yeah um, it's weird. Yeah, but um, yeah, Jason, what what was that? The the fourth or the third? I mean, that the, was the eighth one. Oh shit, damn! They should have been able to afford a yeah, little yeah. more than that. <laughs> Yeah, no, but, like, the problem is, like, so that was when slasher films were dying down. Yeah, yeah. And that's when they had to make a change. That's like, all right, like, keep killing people at camp. We keep doing this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, in part seven, they added, uh, who, what was her name? Um, Laura Park Lincoln. Yeah. Played, uh, played Tina in part seven. She had, like, telekinesis. Yeah. Um, put powers. And then, like, part eight, like, are we going to do something else different? Uh, wh- what have we done? Let's go to New York. <laughs> Again, like... A decade later, what have we done? Jason's dying out. Let's go to outer space. Let's go out like, um, So again, but, uh, yeah, but the, those movies are great. Even, like, I was about to get into this, too. This is the first, this is the first, uh, 3D Scream. Oh, I want to see it in 3D. Fuck. I forgot. Yeah, yep, and they did this all in the past, too. They did this with, uh, again, other 3D movies that came out were Friday the 13th, Part 3, in 3D. Um... I had the Freddy's Dead DVD set. I, I had the Nightmare on Elm Street DVD set where Freddy's Dead comes with, with the uh, 3D glasses. Mm-hmm. Then you had Jaws 3 in 3D. Amityville 3 in 3D. That was like a big thing in the 80s. And like, uh, then oh, you had wow. My Bloody Valentine and Piranha 3Ds come out recently. And uh, I think the first, like, not really 3D, but like if you, if you, if you were, for those of us who I'm not one of them but for those of us if we have any like 60 year old listeners which you probably don't maybe we do like I said uh, if we do thank you but um, <laughs> if, if those who seen like 13 Ghosts the original back in like the 60s in the theater they had like glasses that would reveal the ghost to you as you were watching it so I think that, that was wow. the beginning of that kind of stuff but again so this was the first 3D uh, screen film I want to see it in 3D, and it, it actually lends itself perfect to 3D with how intense it is. Um, but yeah, let's break down two scenes that everybody's probably wondering what we're going to talk about. Uh, first of all, the scene in the bodega, which is freaking awesome. Um, so people can stop worrying. A lot of people thought that Ghostface was going to use a gun throughout the whole movie. It was really just for that scene. Um, I thought that scene was really cool. Uh, especially and it was just one shot. It's not like he killed five people with a gun. There. Yeah, exactly. And, and another cool thing, that's a cool little um, Easter egg about who the killer is, because um, that's probably why he was so good at handling a shotgun, because it was a cop. Um, also, why he kicked the door down the way he, he did. Like, this, this oh, I don't know if we mentioned it already, but this is, like, the most imposing and, like, aggressive ghost face yet. Like, he looked, like, you know, massive and, and just, like, a brute. And that's because it's, like, you know, a big, tall cop guy. Um, but where was I going with that? Yeah, no, the bodega scene. That was really cool. Uh, like you said before, the public thing. We didn't like how in Scream 5 the girl was killed in a suburban house right in front of her house or whatever. I th- we thought that was a little bit of a stretch. But this one right here could actually happen in a, in a New York City deli. Um, the fact that, that he walks in, like like the, the Carpenter sisters go in there to hide and they think they're safe. They're like yelling, oh my God, he's out there. Usually uh, a movie will like toy with, like, with the audience expectations and then like, you know, maybe he'll take a while to come in or he'll come in through another door or something. He just straight up storms into the fucking door. 
and you hear like the little bell, um, you, you know, that a lot of New York delis have. I just thought that was, like that was a funny little touch how he just storms in and he's like, oh my god, he's coming. And then yeah, he did come. Um, and then you got the asshole New Yorker like, hey buddy, there's a line, whatever. And I want to say I think Halloween Kills started a a trend that uh, I enjoy and that I hope we get more now. That kind of reminded me of Halloween Kills when he kills the firefighters, and that's the fact that we got to see a Michael Myers choreographed fight scene. Like before that, it's just like quick shots, whatever. Um, you know, a stabbing. When he fights the firefighters in Halloween Kills, that was a straight up like like John Wick or like you know like a straight up choreographed scene. Uh, I think Ghostface coming into the deli and taking out those guys the way he did. I don't think I ever seen Ghostface do that. Like like you know strategize you know take this guy out this way and then boom take out that one like he took out uh, multiple guys and yeah that just reminded me of, of the halloween kill scene and that was awesome and he shoots the guy straight in the face which was really brutal they don't show it but you know it's implied and that scene is very good and the whole time i'm like i said it, it could happen like even though we don't like when stuff happens in public he went in there and he got he got rid of all all like the 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 customers like like it was nothing like you know like a cool badass new ghost face we've never seen before and then we get that scene of them hiding, um, which is very intense and like nail biting. As soon as they escape, you hear the cop sirens. So they did a, a really good at making it believable because the whole time I'm wondering like, where the hell are the cops? You know, they're hearing gunshots, people are getting killed, whatever. But they really were on the way. And you know, cops do take a while. Obviously, they, they don't respond right away. But I like how as soon as they stepped out, the cops were already there. Um, kind of like how you know in New York City, you know, the police will will show up if like a bodega was robbed or something, or 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 like a an assault happened so i like how they added ghostface as like a criminal of new york is what I'm, what I'm getting at like he was implemented perfectly i would say like right right before they got to the bodega like the he, he was about to kill them yeah and like he was right on top like what, what happens if he gets the chance to kill them yeah even, e- even the bodega like what happens if like they don't hide well enough and he gets a chance to kill them? like the whole movie is supposed to be like a big setup for the ending mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like he's supposed to kill them with his children like I said, would he actually kill them if he had the chance there? Oh, I didn't, I didn't think of that. That's weird. It's again, again, like he gets so close, and like they keep getting away. And that scene actually reminded me. You seen Cobra, right? Who? Cobra with with Stallone? No. Like the opening scene too. Like he's like he's uh some guy's robbing a store and it's going fucking crazy inside. Uh, he's, he's taking people out inside uh inside a grocery store, and um. Cobra's in there, and he throws a can in the other direction too, just so the guy hears the can go in the other direction. Oh yeah, j- yeah. J- j- just to confuse him. So again, I thought that was very similar to that. Yeah, I've seen that done but, a lot. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I I like that. I, maybe you're right. Maybe after seeing like John Wick and stuff, that they decide just like with the Marvel stuff, maybe they decide to add add that into it a little bit. Yeah, I feel like um a lot of these horror movies are turning into action movies, which I don't have a problem with because action is my second favorite genre. But yeah, they're becoming more actiony. Um, I noticed. Yeah, I I like more of the straight up horror, but like Me too. except the action a, yeah. action's okay. Yeah, but um, let's talk about the train scene, which um I don't know if you agree with me, but. That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. There was a train scene in the movie? Yeah, you missed no, it. You went good. to the bathroom. You're taking yeah. a dump. <laughs> <laughs> but the train scene was, uh, again, uh, just like, I'm going to talk about another scene after this too. But the train scene was, again, very suspenseful, very thrilling. Again, like, I just, like, kind of gave me away who the killer was a little bit. Um, but I liked how, like, they didn't mention a lot of horror movies in this one, but you had a lot of horror outfits in it. So you go, oh, that's that. That's that. That's that. 
Yeah. And then, um, again, even the second time we saw this movie, um, again, spoiler alert, Mindy, Mindy doesn't get killed in this train because nobody gets killed in the movie. <laughs> but, but Mindy gets stabbed up pretty well in the movie and, uh, in, in this scene. And even watching it with the lights flickering on the train and, like, you keep seeing Ghostface, like, move a little bit, like the yeah. guy in the mask. And, like, even watching it the second time, like, kind of on the edge of your seat, like, one of these times is going to stab her. And, like, you forget what time, like, I'm trying to think, oh, is it right now? Is it right now? Is it right now? Yeah. And, again, it's very, very intense. And, again, like, um, again, you see her just, you, you know going into it when she just misses the train. Now they're separated. Now something's definitely going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, once again, with the directors, uh, they fucking killed it with this. Um, like, the fact that they made a train scene, which, by the way, in real life, New York City trains are scary, so that's not that much of a, a stretch. Um, the fact that they they played with the idea of it being Halloween, which is really cool, so there's going to be multiple ghost faces, which uh, could one of these be the real one, which they've kind of done before with um, Scream 3 when Sarah Darling was walking through the mannequins, except this time it's actual people. Um well, yeah, they also do it in Scream too, where it's not it's not the mask. But yeah, yeah, they're all in the theater. Oh my in god! In between the theater, with all the people with the white type mask on. Yes! Yeah. Wow! Perfect. Um, yeah, so it's like that's the horror right there. You don't need to like um, force it. Uh, the lights and the trains do go out uh, on and off like that, the way they do. So that's not like a horror movie. Like, oh, the lights magically went out, the power went out. It's like they made an actual horror scene out of a real life scenario a packed train full of people dressed like a killer that, that came after you in the past and the lights keep going out because that's what trains do um and then the music oh my god the music was fucking perfect it's so intense and like uh suspenseful and then they do something once again real life normal stuff but they make it horror a lot of people dress like the horror movie monsters we like we saw pinhead we saw like a wolf in there all these cool badass halloween masks they're just costumes right they're just masks but when you're wondering if a killer's in there and the lights keep going out, they all looked so, like, creepy and just, like, it added to the horror. So the fact that this, these guys can make horror out of just regular situations, like people wearing masks that aren't even the, the mask of the killer that, that we're looking out for, and it's still scary because, you know, visually it just looks so cool, like the lights going in and out with all those cool monsters. Um, other people dressed like Ghostface, there's one sitting down, and you're wondering if it's him. And he's, like, looking down, and he just, like, has, like, this weird vibe. You know, you can't see his face. It's, like, the way he's sitting. Oh, this could be Ghostface. Um, I'm not sure if it was him, but whatever. Uh, that throws you off. Later on, a guy's walking intensely th towards Sarah and, and, and uh, I mean, Sarah, Tara and Sam. And he's dressed like Ghostface. He's walking towards them. Oh, this has to be the killer. He's about to kill them. He's going to stab them. Nope. He's getting out. He was. This was just a stop, and he had to get out. Again, a real and life hot boyfriend, hot guy next door stands up and say, like, "What the fuck are you?" Yeah, gonna yeah, do? <laughs> I like that. He he was ready to like fuck him up. <laughs> so yeah, yeah a, a regular thing. Like uh, in a lot of horror movies, again, they force these moments to make it horror. They force the lights to go out. They they force somebody to look like super suspicious and going up to somebody just for a big jump scare. Oh, it wasn't even him. It was this person? No, this was actually somebody dressed like Ghostface. But then he was walking towards the stop, and you know that happens in real life. If you ever took a train. People will walk out like they're storm out because they don't want to miss their stop and they'll move everybody out the way. So that was depicted really well. Um, Mindy getting stabbed in a, in a packed train. Um, at first, I'm like, all right, that's a little stupid. But then again, in New York City, everybody does not give a shit about other people and, you know, minds their own business. And they even, like, address it too. Like, all right, in case you're wondering, is nobody watching this right now? She's getting stabbed. The camera goes to the right and you see a passenger in front of her, but she's sleeping, so she can't see it. So again, realistic, real life horror people sleep on the train so the fact that they were able to like 
make this very nail-biting and suspenseful and pretty much the best scene of the movie with all these fake outs and stuff that could be horrifying in real life if you have a killer after you but you know it turns out not to be him but that is him that part of him getting closer and closer and then finally stabbing her that just paid off so freaking well and it was just like a fun ride that that whole scene was just made the movie for me yeah no it's a great scene like i said again like it was very intense and like again like i just um yeah i just i was waiting to see i was waiting to see either her or or um ethan get stabbed yeah, and I like uh, one of the times that, that the lights go out and Ghostface is not there anymore. You see the the red balloon like Pennywise. That was pretty funny. I don't know if it was done. Yeah, also you have funny. the um in that scene. It's funny. You got you got Pinhead. You got the uh, the shining the twins. twins from um, mm-hmm. the Shining. Again, it's 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 a great uh. It, not that that would ever happen. There would never be like a Halloween going on on the train with like everyone dressed as a horror movie. Oh icon. yeah, <laughs> I didn't think of that. But it, it, it's cool that they did that though. <laughs> Um, the, one other scene, uh, well, I want to go into Mindy again, so we were just talking about it. That, that scene was great with the, uh, w- w- with the rules. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. That might be my, so, my second favorite rules after the first one now. Yeah, so her just going up to everyone, just, again, like, going, like, the, the, the new changes in the rules, just saying, like, again, how, she wasn't saying everyone's a suspect, she was saying every new person's a suspect. Mm-hmm. And, again, until, I think it was, um... Who was it? I, I guess it was Quinn that, that, that said, well, wouldn't you guys be suspects also because you could have went a little bit crazy? Yeah, they I, both I, said I, it. I, yep. And then now, yeah, yeah. In, in hindsight, that's just them, like, you know, fucking with them. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, so that that was a great scene. And those um, rules were so on point. Um, and I was wondering, I'm like, what the hell could she say now that she didn't say in Scream 5? Because Scream 5, her rule scene was also great and, and pretty much nailed where horror was at that time. I'm like, what, I'm like, what could have changed a year later? But it's just a different perspective, and it's the fact that now it's a leg, uh, franchise instead of a, a sequel. And then all those points she made were, were excellent points. Uh, she's like, um, even the main characters could die now, because look, Tony Stark died in, in Iron Man, Avengers, whatever, freaking um, Luke Skywalker. And she gave away James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> and then she's like, and even James Bond had to die for his uh, his franchise to continue, which was a spoiler for me, because I didn't see the latest James Bond movie. I had no idea he died. Yeah, you talk about woke. You talk about woke. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a James Bond movie. I ain't yeah. ever watching that shit again. <laughs> that's funny. Like I said, like, I, there's some things I will not I will not deal with. Yeah. Um, I, I will not go for James Bond dying. <laughs> that is fucking ridiculous. I saw that movie in the theater, and I never a movie where I felt like asking for my money back more. I'm like, I didn't just see the movie that I bought. I just bought a ticket for a James Bond movie. James Bond does not die in James Bond movies. Yeah, exactly. But so like, maybe maybe but, I'll uh, avoid it. <laughs> but yeah, just pretend that piece of shit never happened. Um, the funny thing is, it was a good movie throughout the whole movie, and then that shit happened. Oh man. No, but, uh, but so, um, oh, oh, sorry. Spoiler alert: James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mindy. But, uh, but yeah, those yeah. rules were completely on point, and then it keeps you on the edge because you're like, "Oh shit, good point." Legacy characters have died, but then they pussied out and they couldn't even kill freaking Gale or Chad. So, you know, they set up all those yeah. great on point rules, but then they didn't even follow them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like they showed like seven, eight people dying, and at the end, like three or four of them died. And every time I talk about people dying, I don't mean the killers. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. I don't count those three deaths. Yeah, um, some people do do that. I'm like, no, I don't count that. Sorry. Another great scene, again, we talked about a little bit before, was the ladder scene. Oh, man. The, the apartment scene. Which is just an amped up version of the of the car scene from Scream 2. Way better, though. Yeah, I, I, but I still think the ladder scene's better. Yeah, I don't me know, too. Again, like the, 100%. But the thing, you talk about, like, unbelievable. That girl's, like, climbing across that ladder with her guts falling out. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like freaking, but like, uh, but again, they talk about like aggressiveness and intensity. Like when, uh, when the killer finally breaks through and he's shaking the ladder, and you knew she's not gonna make it because out of everyone climbing across that ladder, she's going last and she's the least important character. Yeah. And you knew she's falling down, but when she falls down, you see her face hit the dumpster. Boom. That was beautiful. And yep. In the so rain. Again, like, uh, so, so, so they add to it even more. And like it just shows you, and, and you, you see the killer stab the knife into the windowsill. Yeah. And like you just again, it's just. Um, and, he's, and that's the scene where 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 Quinn supposedly gets killed too, even though she doesn't. Yeah. Oh, uh, that that part. Um, that part really showed how how scary Ghostface is. I think this is um. Uh, besides the first one, this is where Ghostface has looked the most like 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 an actual like a scary person like not like not just any human like he looks like a force like to be reckoned with and they sell that really well um i said this also in halloween kills um i think this is like the halloween kills of the screen movies uh, I, I know you you like it more but because you don't like halloween kills as much as i do but i see them as like the same movie like a movie where where the killer gets to shine and just be like even though he doesn't at the end like michael doesn't kills but uh what i'm getting at with that is in halloween kills when he does the when he goes after the firefighters and you see a firefighter's reaction when he first sees Michael, he's like, holy shit. And I, I, I previously said that that's a really good small detail that just sells Michael as like this like scary force that like when you see him, you know, you shit your pants. Uh, they did the same thing with Ghostface in this one. Um, he's banging on the door. He's trying to kick through it, whatever. They, they barricaded it. Like it, it made it look like, you know, you really had to go all out of, you know, get away from this guy. Uh, when he finally gets through the door and the, uh, and the girl's trying to cross, uh, the girlfriend is about to cross. And he's behind her. Uh, the look on Sam Carpenter's face and Mindy, all their faces when they see that ghost face got through the door and is is behind them and is about to um, try to like you know kill or whatever. Uh, that just completely made him look like you know like the, the like an actual monster. So um, I like moments like that where it's not like just like you know because sometimes like, like we said before the the jokes undercut the tension and all that. Like I don't like when when it's like you know funny or or not that big of a deal or like uh, like they get away with him from with ease and, and stuff like that this one they really made it look like like all right you better fucking run for your life when you see ghost face and shit and um when when he's behind her that like my heart dropped when he was behind her in the ladder and then boom he throws her off so very well very... that too but like the scene you say where they all see him like, yeah again, like, oh my god that, that, that was kind of stupid too when she's like what is it it's like, what the fuck do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's is stupid it? that they froze, but cause I was going to say, no, that's that's pretty realistic because, you know, people, when, when it's like a deer caught in the headlights, but, yeah, the girl being like, what is it? What the fuck do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, we're seeing something on the TV across, like, a... a, a <laughs> yeah, this episode just got really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, they, uh, they just made him look like such a, such a monster in this, and I loved it. Yeah, no, 100%. I thought it was great, too. Um, uh, another great scene in the movie, uh, just the, the shrine scene, I thought that was awesome. Like, the whole, like, uh, again, the whole shrine set up, especially at the ending. Yeah, yeah. Like, walking in there, and again, I, I love to uh, talk about the shrine. The shrine, they have a shrine for the whole series of this movie that, that, that they built up. So you see different things, like you see, um, you see uh, the jacket from Stephen Orth in the first one. You see... Uh, Randy shirt from the video store. Yeah, you see Randy's shirt. You see Billy's cut-up shirt. Um, you see, I think, props from the movie studio from Stab 3. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that scene would have been a lot more impactful if, if me and you didn't watch all the screen movies throughout the years for so many times. But I bet you that scene was super nostalgic to some people. But to me, it was like nothing. Because, like, you know, seeing Jill Roberts' flannel shirt, 
I just saw Screen Four like last week. But um, oh, I was gonna ask you, where is that burned phone from? Is that is that Casey Becker's? Uh, is it? I forget. It's I like I've a burned phone, burnt and I, phone. I couldn't think of it for the life of me. I was like, whose phone went on fire? Maybe it's definitely from the first one. Yeah, it's definitely maybe from like. Maybe from the popcorn set in fire. I don't know. Yeah, anybody know? Uh, comment below where that burnt phone is from. But um, yeah, a lot of cool tributes and also um, Billy's bloodied up shirt. And I like that it had all their knives with the, the blood still on it, dried up, which is pretty fucking gross. Um, yeah. And, and again, it's a cool uh, explanation of of how the killer, why the killer is who he is, whatever. The killer's a cop. Um, how else would they have all this evidence? You know, it was his son. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, he was like. Again, they're trying to figure out who the suspects are, and he goes, "Well, you could take Quinn off the list." It's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take Quinn. Yeah, and then uh, and he's like, um, when Quinn supposedly died, he came out crying, which um, at the time I thought he was a really bad actor, but it turns out that he was a bad actor in the movie, um, trying to act like yeah. his daughter died. <laughs> and he's like, "You mess with my family, you fucking die." So you know that's <laughs> that's ironic and very true because you know he, he he'll take it there if you mess with his family. A little over the top, yeah. I'd say, um, I, I love the uh, again, like, um, just the ending. I thought, as usual, th- these endings are great. Again, like, again, uh, other than the three killers, um, I, I love the way he killed them. I love the, I loved how, um, when he comes back, was the e- Ethan gets a TV on his, on his head, yeah. But uh, again, this is nitpicking. How do, I don't like the way the TV was thrown. I feel like these directors forgot how heavy those TVs are. You can't chuck a TV like that, especially Hayden Panettiere. Maybe because the inside's hollowed out? I don't know. Oh, okay, maybe. All right, but just in general, I feel like that that TV throw just didn't carry enough of a punch. Uh, Like, it didn't hit me like, like, all right, the guy got killed by the TV that killed Stu. It just didn't hit me the way they hoped it would, I feel like. But still cool, though. Yeah. And, again, just, uh, it's always fun seeing those revenge movies where it's, like, again, like, at the end of it, when he's the last one standing, you you think Ethan's dead. He's the last one standing. It's like, all right, I already killed your fucking three kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then Ethan, but, was it Ethan or the girl that did the fake? Because um, you know how all of them come back for one last scare? It was Ethan, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I, th- I think it was Ethan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty cool. And um, the, did they do a headshot? What? Did they shoot somebody in the head? The girl, right? They shot the girl in the head, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. All all the, the scream notes, they were all, you know, all the boxes were checked, so... Yeah, Scream 6 yeah. was great, but don't forget, this is all just stuff that we've seen before. Maybe you just like how they did it better this time. Well, the end, too, I, I wanted Chad to die at the end. Like, again, I, again like, all, all, all those stabbings on the side. Yeah, like, too much. he did much. his job, he was protecting the girls, but, like, he should have died, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, should've stabbings. Stabbings were very, like, like, it's like it's nothing on this. And um, the ending, this is um a sign of where Scream 3, I mean, Scream 7 is probably going to be. Um, I pointed this out to you before. Scream Five, the ending was at a party at Stu Mocker's house, just like Scream One, and now Scream Two. I see this this shrine as like a new version of of the stage where where Sydney did her plays, like you know somewhere where where stuff is like like on a stage on display. So I'm guessing so Scream Seven. Scream Seven. Yeah, so I'm guessing Scream Seven is gonna be in Hollywood again. Maybe we'll see. Like I said, hopefully they. I, I assume with that because this one kind of did, they're gonna come out with another one. Yeah, yeah, but, and uh, um. Um, Sam, Car- uh, I want to ask you, who do you like more, Sam or Tara? I think we both said Ta- Sam, right? I, I like Tara more. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. Sam Carpenter is my, my new favorite uh, scream queen of all because of the things I said before, her getting down and dirty. And 
Um, I, I wasn't that big of a fan of it in Screen Fire. Like, I couldn't care less about it. But this time around, I really like that she's Billy's daughter. And I think it adds a lot to the character. And it, I feel like it makes it more like, um, like, it's like more even now, the killer versus the, the victims. Because she's Billy's daughter and she has that killer instinct in her. And she freaking will turn it on like it's nothing. Like, she goes straight into stabbing mode. Like, I like the fact that the, the heroes are just as ruthless and willing to kill as, as the killers. So that's pretty. Well, it's cool. like we said last time. She's the new Sam Loomis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But uh, I was gonna say, but uh, yeah, I still think that the be- I, I still like. I, I think I don't know. If there's any better scream queen or better? Uh, yeah, than um, Ripley than um, Sigourney Weaver from Alien. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Actually, like, you're right. Well, I, 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 think, I always think she's the most badass. Yeah. Um. And then she's badass for the reasons I like Sam. So. I'm kind of pulling off like a thing that the kids are saying, like, "Oh, this one's better." But honestly, Sam is just another version of her. Yeah, you're right. Well, like I said, with this one better again to get back at that. Like I said, that's again like my dad's like again like my dad's like or my uncles are like, "Oh, you you, you don't know." Uh, we talk about movies like Robin Hood or whatever. Or like um, Ro- Robin Hood's a good, a good example because we were like, "I'm like I'm always like Prince of Thieves is the best Robin Hood movie," and they're like, "Oh no, this 1940s version is better." It's <laughs> fucking slow and lame. But freaking uh, but like um, same thing with my dad. He's like, oh no, you don't understand these these alien invasion movies from 1950 are be- are scarier th- than your newer movies. I'm like, eh, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But uh, I think I'm just like I think I'm just getting older now too. But freaking um, anybody but, like at some point in the future they're gonna be looking back at like Saw's gonna look like a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you, know, you know. But like uh, let's <laughs> say um. Yeah, uh, we talk, want to bring up one more thing before I'm dying. I don't have too much more to say about the movie, but uh, I feel like the Demi Lovato song for this movie, Still Alive, was terrific. Yeah, it was really um, good. I think, I, as much as I love classic rock, I love these younger, like, these younger girls that make music. Like, uh, I think I consider myself a Swifty. <laughs> and uh, Ariana Grande is great. Miley Cyrus, again, I... For the longest time, I thought Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana were two different people. <laughs> I'm not even fucking lying. Like I said, I, I, I didn't know Hannah Montana was a TV character, or I knew she was a TV character. I thought Miley Cyrus was, was too. Yeah. I freaking, um, but she, Cyrus has a great album out called uh, Plastic Hearts that came out years ago. It has covers of Edge of Midnight by Stevie Nicks, Heart of Glass by, uh, uh, what's that, freaking, um, what, what, why am I blanking? This episode's been pretty long. I'm starting to blank. Heart of Glass is, a epi- is, a, is an episode. It's by Blondie, a CD by Blondie. A album, and then Zombie by the Cranberries, and Jill Stills does a song with Billy Idol on that album. That's yeah, a, that was a pretty underrated album. Hearts. I don't know that you knew about that. That, that yeah, blew, yeah, that blew over a lot of people's radar. That album. She's also on that show. Uh, what's that new um, Black Black Mirror? Oh yeah. And I don't she like plays that. a character, um, a pop star on on an episode, and she does like a pop song of uh, I don't know if you heard it before. If not, I'll say it to you. It's awesome. It's like a pop cover of for the show um of head like a hole by nine inch nails but it's called i'm on a roll oh that's me and it's like a poppy version of it and it's songs fucking terrific oh yeah and speaking but, of music yeah. uh, they played the the song that they always play that you said only screen four didn't play what was it 
Right, right hand, yeah. Yeah, they did. They did that really well. They did it twice. Um, usually, I don't like when movies do that, but I think they did it. They played it at. Two I, th- I think they played in the scene where they meet up with Gale for the first time. Yeah, and then they also and played Dewey's theme song again, with even without down, Dewey, down, down, down. with no Dewey. When they were like, I think they're either talking about him or Gale was on screen, something. But, um, you know, I love that song, so I was really happy to hear that. Um, yeah, they played the 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 typical scream songs, but then the actual score, I want to say. The best one in the whole series. That's the one thing that this one might beat the first movie in. The score for this, especially that train scene, is just yep. very, very good. And I might even listen to it on its own while I drive. <laughs> Scream 2 still has the best soundtrack. Not, not yeah. score, but the best soundtrack. Yeah, but, uh, I agree with that too, yep. But uh, but this uh, again, I, I, the scene where they're playing uh, Red Right Hand, I believe, is when they first see Gale. And that's where they, I, like, I like when Sam swings there and she goes, I've seen that one before, honey, or whatever. And then Tara hits her. <laughs> yeah. And then later yeah. on, she apologizes. She's like, sorry, I hit you. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> She's like, I'm yeah. not. Yeah, she goes, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, Tara's freaking adorable. Don't get me wrong. I like Sam a lot better, but but Tara, Tara's a cutie, and, and she's a, a great actress. Um, I'm excited to yeah, see what else she does. Yeah, 100%. Um, like I said, we don't do movie rec- recommendations anymore, really. But like I'd say, like if you haven't seen that movie, The Babysitter Kill- Killer Queen, then go check that out. I think it's on Netflix or Hulu. I think it's on Netflix. I'm going to check it out. I'm also going to find out what else Melissa Barrera does, because I'm, I'm like obsessed with her. That's, I don't think it's anything big. Yeah, um, she, she. I think I she did know, more um, be, Latin, uh, Spanish stuff. This might be the best. Uh, this might be like the uh, start of a, of, of a nice career. Yeah, yeah, hope so. But yeah, her, the freaking, start of her career getting bigger. She is perfect, literally. Um, yeah. Again, I'm I'm looking forward to Scream Seven. Um, again, where do we go from here? I don't know. Like like Steve said, may, may, maybe we go to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I just hope. Uh, um, well, yeah, just a quick rundown of a wish list for Scream Seven. Uh, they better kill Chad or or a main character, not Mindy. They're not gonna. They better not make the same mistake that they did with Randy. Um, Gail, as much as it pains me, she should also probably just go. Um, I want Hollywood, and I want um, one killer again because I think that was pretty unique with Roman. And I know, want Ghostface in outer space. Ghostface in outer space. I think they made like yeah. a picture of that. So um, yeah, people. Yeah, do it. Everybody's on the same page. <laughs> I saw every great horror that. franchise goes to outer space. It's well known. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. especially Leprechaun. <laughs> like what about what about uh, what horror guy should go to New York? What horror guy should go to New York? Michael. Michael Myers. Um, no. <laughs> well, Candyman. Does Candyman in New York? I forget. Uh, I think it's Baltimore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, well, New York's a shithole enough now. Yeah. I think, I think Candyman can make his way over here. I'll uh-huh. rank this. This is number one. Uh, but next to this, probably Frankenhooker and then American Psycho. Those are the top three New York horror movies. Um, I don't know. I consider Chud a horror movie. Who? Um, I'm trying to think horror, like New York horror movies. Um, Jacob's Ladder, se- Rosemary's Baby. Isn't Seven? Isn't Seven New York? Oh, uh, uh, no, Seven is a fictional, a fictional city. Okay. Plus, they're driving in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say. Um, let's say, I'm trying to think of other. I didn't even yeah, think I'm of that. Think I didn't even think what? of the fact that Seven. The whole the movie it rains the whole time and then they drive to a desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What place is that? <laughs> I'm gonna find some better New York movies. I just can't think. Like I so said, this this our, our episode right now. We we love this movie so much. We're going on like two hours right now. <laughs> so again, so like, but my mind is just shot right now. Yeah. No, I'm, but, like, but Scream Seven. Uh, really, I don't have. I actually don't have a wish list other than that. Just just kill more characters. I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I just I, I wish it's a fucking awesome movie. Yeah. That's it. There we go. I, I wish it continues to do well. I haven't seen a 
haven't seen a Scream movie that I didn't like since 2000. <laughs> In so, theaters. And even now, after going back and watching it, we still find things that we like about it. Yeah. So just don't, don't, don't screw it up. That's it. That's exactly. all I ask for. Same directors, um, please. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, give my rankings for the Scream franchise, and then Steve will give his. Uh, we put this on our site, too. Um, again, follow us on Be Afraid Horror Podcast on Instagram. You could keep up with us. Uh, my rankings are the six films. Starting with the best. Well, we'll start with the worst. Starting with the worst is Scream 3. You know, all these movies are at least somewhat good. Scream 3 is by far the worst, but somewhat good. Uh, Scream 3, then Scream 4, then Scream 5, which actually moved up my list because, again, I gave it... Scream 4 used to be in front of it, but so... Scream 5 moved up after the last time I saw it. Uh, Scream 2, Scream 6, and then the original. So, worst to best. 3, 4, 5, 2, 6, 1. Alright, Steve? Steve, you there? Sorry, bro. My mic was muted. Uh, the same the same order, but uh, swap out four and five. Um, f- uh, three is the worst one, of course. Uh, five is my second um, to last worst. Because, like I said in the previous episode, I had a lot of problems with it. I know a lot of people like it, but um, all these characters grew on me. So maybe I'll enjoy five more going back to it after I fell in love with the characters in six. Um, so three, five, uh, then four, which I love a lot. Uh, actually, four, when we watched and did an episode on it, I, I thought about that movie for like three days straight. So that should tell you how much I liked it. Like I, I, I kept thinking about stuff I should have said on the episode, just stuff that I put together. Uh, four is really, really layered and, if anything, kind of underrated. Um, after four, two, which was my second favorite before, and it pained me a lot to move it to third place. And now second place is Scream 6 because of everything we just said. Uh, to me, it's a perfect movie, minus some minor flaws that, that would have made it absolutely perfect, but it's just almost there. And then Scream 1 will always be, and it's not being like an old-timer and all the old shit is better, but Scream 1 will always be number one, and I highly doubt, unless Scream 7 does something completely different and just throws the formula out the window and blows me away with a whole new take on the Scream movies, um, I'll always remember how I felt the first time I watched Scream 1 and, and the impact it had and how much I still enjoy it. Even when we did it for the episode, I freaking, I thought about that movie for like a week straight. Um, so yeah, Scream 1 will always be my favorite. And I, I think you I, said Scream 1 was your fourth favorite, huh? My fourth favorite? No, it's good. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> my number one favorite. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 7, I doubt, will beat it, but I hope 7 surpasses 6. As much as I love I would love you know what I want for Scream 7? What? Since we just spoke about it, I would like to go in and have like a cool Scream 7 opening and then then just play the movie seven. <laughs> that's it. Here we go. Or, and that's it. And then maybe put a scream ending at the end. Turns out that Morgan Freeman was the killer. Or or a go. scream movie. Or it turns out Gwyneth Paltrow didn't really have her head chopped off. She was the killer the whole time. Oh beheadings, remember? Beheadings. Yeah, yeah. That's a big and that's part. funny to, to because they beheaded the mannequin. Jack goes, beheading. Beheading. <laughs> they warned me about this. <laughs> um, yeah, freaking Scream 7. Yeah, just give us more, uh, something different. Or just do it all over again, just as good. But um, like we said, bigger body count, please. That's all we ask. Yeah, yep. Just kill some fuckers. That's it. Exactly. All right. But guys, thanks again. It's been great. Um, 
next time again we'll catch you guys soon and be afraid thank you guys